This is a show about content marketing for established, sophisticated online businesses. Unlike other shows about marketing, we focus on sustainable, measurable content creation, how to authentically automate your marketing to build up your know, like, and trust factor with a nurtured, engaged audience between launches, and get back to actually living your life instead of working to live. Hey, hey, friends, we are continuing on with our Shiny Happy Tactics series. For those who are just jumping in right now, I am taking this series to say, hey, we don't have to do business as usual. Just because some big marketing guru is telling you this is the way to do it doesn't mean it's the way you have to do it. So on that note, we're going to jump back into the series. And this week's topic is how to avoid the hamster wheel of content creation. First, what is that hamster wheel, right? The content creation hamster wheel is exactly what it sounds like. It's you, the hamster, thinking that if you create just one more piece of content, you'll get somewhere. And then you keep going and going, spinning around on a wheel and never making it anywhere, feeling like you can never catch that elusive last one. Newsflash here, no one brags about running a marathon on a treadmill. If you're looking to slow how often you're creating new content, you are in luck. There are three steps we're going to cover to hone in your content marketing strategy so you feel balanced, avoid the chaos, and yes, actually see an end in sight. And I want to cut to like just an acknowledgement here. I love content. I am a content strategist. And yes, content creation can be overwhelming. Let's cue that overwhelm and burnout here because they go hand in hand. Realizing no end in sight with your content is disheartening. So expanding on the idea of why content creation can be overwhelming, it's important to understand that content and creating content requires a lot of time and effort. If you do it well, at least, right? You need to research your topics. You got to plan out the structure. You got to know how to present information in an effective way. All of those things can be very mentally taxing. And since there's so much pressure for you to create content that's valuable and engaging for your audience to read, all of those expectations can weigh you down as a content creator. And it's no wonder. I mean, mean, really, it's no wonder why the process can feel overwhelming. So this is our big first aha of the episode here, all right? There is an increasing pressure that asks us as content creators to focus on quantity over quality. Obviously, I say we should do the opposite, right? Quality first. But that modern day struggle that businesses are vying for attention in this overpopulated digital world does kind of result in people, you know, hastily churning out material without maybe considering how effective it is. And this can trigger a vicious cycle of producing and promoting content that never really captured the attention of its intended audience in the first place. So to break out of this content creation cycle, we as content creators need to take the time to measure our success by tracking KPIs or key performance indicators. Some of these might be website visits, click-through rates, shares on social media platforms. Those are all things you can measure to determine whether your content that you're already creating is effective. And if it's not effective, start taking steps to test content that would be effective. Now, I know I talk about measuring content a lot. And Yes, I do harp on a little bit about it, but it's with a good reason. I have in the past found myself as the person who is just churning out content. And it amounted to a lot of busy work. It amounted to burnout. 
And at one point, I did seriously think about hanging it all up, closing my business down. And I don't mean that like in the every, you know, four to six months, like typical entrepreneurs have, a, I want to burn it all down phase. No, I mean, I took like a year long break and actually considered not coming back. So I say this with love. I have been there. I understand. And I want to help you at least mitigate that particular thing, if not avoid it completely. And you can do that by embracing the idea of measuring the content that you're creating. So here's a clear plan of action for how you can break out of that content creation hamster wheel. Choose a way to measure your content's effectiveness. Specifically, find a way to automate as much of the measuring process as you can. And this will be a not so shameless plug here, right? Yes, I have the content ROI dashboard available. If you don't know how to do this, get yourself on the list next month to get one of those. It is the easiest way for you to start taking control of your content creation process. Next, you need to learn how to read between the lines of data and make insights with the numbers. Otherwise, you've just got a fancy spreadsheet. And again, not so shameless plug, if you need help learning how to read between the lines of your data, I offer that in tandem with the content ROI dashboard. I actually teach you how to do that by creating a couple reports for you so you start learning how to look at the data and make better decisions from it. Next, you're going to start multiplying your efforts and reuse content that's performing well. That is how you start stepping out of the hamster wheel. And then additionally, you're going to leverage tools such as analytics or AI-driven recommendations so you can start streamlining your future creation process as you keep reusing well-performing content. This together is going to help you reduce time spent on mundane tasks and Voila, you are now no longer tied to creating new content and you get off that treadmill. Woohoo, big happy applause, right? All right, so applause is over. I'll say thank you. I just gave you a very high level view of what we're talking about. So now for the rest of the episode, we're going to dive into tactics, into nitty gritties. And it starts with content measurement and understanding metrics. Yes, it is an ever important topic. And if your eyes glaze over a little bit, I know we're listening here, but these are the trusty tools that content creators, you know, like anyone using to content market their business, these are the tools we use to keep tabs on how our material is performing. Some of the things that we're going to want to gather are data points like page views, click-through rates, that's like click-throughs to your website, time spent on the page. Again, that can be for both social and website because yes, Instagram and YouTube do measure how long you stay on a particular piece of content. It's going to include shares and saves. That one's more uh, particular towards socials, right? And then organic search rankings, which are not just for your website, by the way. There is omni-channel SEO going on in every platform that you show up in. And I'll link in the show notes to an episode all about that. So that's how we measure content measurement. Uh, some of the metrics that we're going to look at do look like conversion rates and engagement rates, cost per acquisition if we're talking about paid media. A lot of that stuff might be something you don't want to understand. And if that's the case, that is okay. But then find someone who does understand it that you trust, ask around, ask for references, all the stuff, right? And use them because you need to know how these things work for you. Because if you want to ditch the content creation hamster wheel, you absolutely have to know what is resonating with your people and what is not. Analyzing the data is going to help inform your decisions about when and how often to post certain types of content. This can help to increase the effectiveness 
Of course, yes. But it's also going to ensure that you're getting the most bang for your content buck. And that is a big deal. If you're going to spend time creating content, you have to tie it to some kind of earnings, whether that's lead earnings or actual conversion revenue earnings. It does not matter. You have to make sure that the time you are putting into this is nurturing your audience along that trust building and eventually buying journey. With that said, let's uh, briefly dive into some tools you can use to measure your content because I know probably a lot of you are already thinking, it's cool, Uh, LinkedIn analytics for every post. You just click on it and you can see how many people engaged. You can use the in-app content measurement on, you know, um, Pinterest, on Instagram, right? They all have some sort of way to see some analytics. Uh, Some of the platforms like Instagram will require you to use a business profile to see them and it is well worth the switch. You should absolutely do that. You're going to want to measure how many shares and saves a post receives on there. For example, on Pinterest, you can actually see how many people are clicking through on one pin versus another, and you can see how long they're spending on your website if you know how to use Google Analytics. And that leads us to third-party content measurement, not necessarily a tool in the app like Pinterest or Instagram, but some other tool. And most social media schedulers like Buffer, Later, Metricool, they all have built-in analytics that are going to aggregate your chosen social platform data into one place. Some of them, like Metricool, will even tie into your actual Google Analytics if you use Google. And this is an important time-saving function because while you can log into three different social platforms to check your stats, you're not going to do that on a regular basis. You might be able to like convince yourself to do it once a month. And if you can do that while well, you're doing better than me, because I find it very difficult, even though I live and breathe this stuff, to log into multiple different platforms on a regular basis. It's something that's nice to do. I know I should do. And yet it's the easiest thing to fall off my to-do list when I get busy with other stuff. And I have a stinking suspicion that you are just like me in that regard, because every time I ask a potential client how often they're checking this stuff, they're like, oh, I mean, I could do that right now. And that right there is exactly what we need to talk about. I could do that right now. You can. I know you're capable. But if you're not already doing it, I think it's safe to say you're not going to regularly do it. This, of course, leads us right back to talking about a content measurement dashboard. Now, I've already told you exactly where you can get that from me. Obviously, there'll be a link. But we want to talk about how you could do that outside of me because I understand not everyone's ready for that and you might be playing with the idea but you're not right sure. So I'm going to go ahead and walk you through all the steps I actually take when I'm setting up a client's content measurement dashboard so you can determine one, if this is right for you, but two, you can try and do it on your own and see how it goes, right? So let's go. One, first we have to decide what data to track. I am not a fan of more is more in this case. Not a fan at all. I know I'm shockingly telling you not to track everything, right? There are certain KPIs that you're going to want and certain ones you won't. For example, I like to track shares and saves on social platforms, but I do not regularly track comments. I may go and look at how many comments a particular post has, especially if I notice an anomaly. That's kind of, we'll get to that more on the reading between the lines, right? But I don't track everything on a dashboard because too much information is actually worse than not enough. You get overwhelmed and then you stop making decisions altogether. Your brain gets frazzled and that's not good for anyone. So that's the first thing. What are we going to track? The next is what tool are we going to use? 
I create dashboards in Liquor Studio and I use things called data connectors so I can pull in analytics from things like Instagram and Facebook. There's no way to get that information into Liquor Studio without a connector. And yes, some of these tools cost money. After I've done that, after I've gathered all the necessary data, then we start filtering it and organizing it into meaningful categories. So I might have a page that's at a glance. I might have a page just for Instagram. I might have a page just for organic search, for example. I can also compare and contrast certain platforms against each other, which can only be done by filtering. Once all the data is organized like this, then we get into the stuff that makes it a lot more useful, and that is visualizations such as charts or graphs. Here's the deal. You might not be someone who needs everything to be pretty, but you do need it to be organized so it's easy to understand. In particular, I like things to be pretty, and I'm a lot more likely to pay attention to them once they are. It's okay. I can admit it. It's fine. That said, most people can't learn from a super long string of text, but they can learn from a pie chart. We are visual people by nature, and that's not necessarily saying that everybody's learning style is the same, but most people can ingest information quickly in that way. I also like designing these things in clients' brand colors because, again, it's affirming, right? It's it's representing of your brand, and it always makes it nice when you're kind of in a seamless world and environment like that. It's nice to see, for example, that of the you know six emails you sent out last month, email three, this subject line was definitely the one that got the most clicks. We'll get more back to that on when we start reading between the lines, of course, but just seeing on a pie chart that that email gave you, you know, 40% of your clicks, even though it was really only 16% of the total volume, if you will, that right there helps you see that that email was doing a better job for your business than any other email. And then finally, I like to make sure that all of these visuals are incorporated in a user-friendly dashboard with built-in filters, customizable settings, so you, as the business owner, can get real-time insight into your KPIs. I like making sure it's a link you can pull up on your phone. So if you're like me and sitting in your kid's therapy appointment yesterday and you get a question in your head about something, you can answer that question right away before it decides to flit out of your brain, never to be seen again, right? Making things accessible means you're more likely to actually do it. You know, back to that whole, well, I could look that up. I want to make sure that you aren't just thinking, maybe I'll look it up and making it really easy so you actually can, because that's when you start making better marketing decisions as a whole. So if you want to follow that list of steps, you can make your own dashboard. I'm not telling you, go, you have to hire me. I'm saying you just have to figure out a way to measure your content because without measuring your content, you're not going to get off the content creation hamster wheel. All right. Now, reading between the lines, I have teased it multiple times and I want to make sure I cover that real quick here. Why did one post perform better on LinkedIn last week than another? Why is this YouTube video on my favorite topic not getting the reach as these other three videos? What's different? What's the same? Why didn't the Instagram post I labored over for 45 minutes do anything? And hey, you know, if you don't like data, that's fine. I can manage the data so you don't have to. But I need the data to answer those questions. That is one of the things I do for my clients. In a monthly content instance report, I actually go through these questions. Why are we not growing here when we really thought we would be? What can we do to change this up a little bit? Content insights help marketers understand the minute details of their content and their campaigns. And by examining the data, and I know you don't probably love that word, but by examining the data like likes and shares and views, marketers can begin to develop an understanding of what their audience responds to 
and how we can improve future content so that we aren't on that treadmill. Okay, Woo. we have waded through all the data talk. Congratulations. If data is not your favorite thing, don't worry. But we had to do it because we want to get to that place where we get to banish the content creation hamster wheel. And choosing which topics we've already created that are going to repeat well as part of our evergreen content strategy, you know, old content not having to stay old, that does require the measurement and the data talk. So we've completed it. It's good. Know this at this point. There's always room for improvement on old content. You should be able to make those decisions based on what we just talked about. After all, what is the point of creating content if you don't know how it resonates with your audience? Because once you know the topics that your best client loves, it is time to multiply that content by repurposing it. And I've had several repurposing dedicated episodes on this podcast, so I'm not going to do a deep dive in this. Just know that when we're talking about employing a personality-driven marketing machine for your business, there are three legs. One of them is, yes, choosing impactful topics. The next one is bringing all of you, your unique special sauce to your business. And then the third one is honing it in. And honing it in requires all the measurement stuff that we've been talking about today, but it also requires you acting and getting to that place where you are repurposing your content. So as a quick reminder, there are three ways to repurpose content. One is recycling the key idea and pairing it with new examples and new hooks. Two is literally regurgitating what you've already posted. Yes, word for word, copy and paste, post again. And then the third one is reusing content in new ways to make it relevant for another platform. This is like, you know, the difference between YouTube content and Twitter threads. Same idea, different execution. So your dashboard is going to provide you with the content insights so you can not only know what topics your people prefer, but which formats. That is how you use all three kinds of repurposing in your business and get off the hamster wheel. Kick it to the curb. Say goodbye, right? You may not be able to use all three of those repurposing R's on each piece, but you have a plan for what you can do for each content topic right there in your dashboard data. Honing in your content strategy through the measurement of content is the only way you're going to get rid of that content creation hamster wheel for good. If you need help with that, I might, maybe, depending on where, where I recorded this episode and where it actually gets launched, right? I'm never quite sure. But I might have space next month, and I certainly do the following month, unless something drastic has changed. Here is my pitch, if you want to call it that, to you. If you can't follow the steps I've outlined in this episode on your own, and you want content marketing to be a part of your business in the future so that you don't have dips in your pipeline, so that you aren't on that entrepreneurial roller coaster, so that even if you only want five clients at a time and one quits tomorrow, you don't lose 20% of your income. If that's something you know you want for your business, you need to take content seriously. And part of taking content seriously is measuring what you're already doing. It's the first step in making better content in the future and making better business decisions as a whole. That is what I want for you. You don't have to do it with me. I would love it if you will, but I've outlined the steps in this episode so that you can go and take action after listening to this right now. That is the goal. I hope you take up the challenge. If you found value from this episode, there are two things you can do to thank me. The first is share it with a friend. If you enjoyed this episode, you learned something from it, odds are you know somebody who needs to hear this message. I do truly believe that a rising tide lifts all boats. 
And if you help that friend with something that they need to do, we're going to have less crappy marketers out there, which means less scams. And we get to help more people in those ways that we uniquely are meant to help them. The second thing you can do is leave a rating on whichever podcast app you are listening to the show on right now. Doing that helps me reach more people, getting, again, this same great information out there, and we all make a better, happier, effective, and ethical world as a result. Thanks so much. See you next week.